It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, live from Toyota Arena in Ontario. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there, Lindsey Brown on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get you set for Well, a road trip for the HSK that starts tonight in Ontario and then takes us to Loveland, Colorado for two matchups at Budweiser Event Center against the Colorado Eagles in the first visit to Colorado for the Silver Knights this season. Uh, We're going to use this as uh, our extended pregame show, if you will, and don't worry, you're still going to get Justin Russo at 6.30 tonight, Uh, but we'll... Breakdown tonight's contest. We'll look a little bit backwards at the Coachella Valley weekend and the lucky launch that was, and a, a successful lucky launch at that. And uh, also uh, get you caught up on uh, tonight's storylines. And to help us do that in our next segment, we will have Jared Shaffron, the Ontario Rain insider and also broadcaster. He's the uh, it's a two-headed broadcast machine in the Ontario Rain booth with Jared Shaffron working primarily color and uh, also team insider and. Uh, Josh Schaefer on the play-by-play headset. They they pass it back and forth. So two experts will have Jared today uh, to take us through what has been a pretty hot stretch for the Ontario Reign of late. The Reign going 5-1-0 through the first six games of a seven-game homestand that ends tonight. That homestand uh, began with the Silver Knights here in this building. And that was back on, what was the last uh, road trip the Silver Knights had? Back on... Uh, November the 20th. That was the last time the Silver Knights were here, a 3-2 loss to the Reign. Silver Knights have played Ontario well and close three times. One of them was a win at the DLC. But uh, for the Silver Knights, they certainly want to build on their, uh, not success in terms of wins and losses, but certainly a, a good structure to their game against the Coachella Valley Firebirds this past weekend. So we'll discuss the Reign. And then our final segment Try and give you a chance to, to get to know more of the people around the organization as opposed to just me. We've had Chase Jollish, the COO, on the program before for obvious reasons. Cole Miltenberger talking ticketing. Uh, we're going to meet Kiki Downey. Kiki Downey is in her first season with the HSK, actually her first uh, professional job uh, in hockey. Uh, but she is the admin, if you will. She's the coordinator for digital content. Uh, which means all the fun, quirky things you see on the Silver Knight social channels, they come from Kiki Downey. So we'll get to know her a little bit as well uh, and how she approaches the storytelling elements uh, of getting to know the HSK players and making sure that you get to know them as well. So lots to cover, uh, as there always is every Wednesday on HSK Today. But we will start with last weekend and the lucky launch for the Silver Knights. Now, first of all, if you listen to this show regularly, thank you, but if you listen to this show regularly, I look pretty smart today, don't I? Because last week we had uh, Ash Watkins of Sam and Ash Injury Law, and we thanked them for their support of the lucky launch. Uh, and we talked about, well, who do you predict who's going to score the lucky launch goal? I said Jonas Romberg. And after this past weekend, Jonas Romberg is officially the back-to-back lucky launch champion. It sounded like this. Was blocked and puts up the center. Rombjörg's out of the box. Jonas Rombjörg on a breakaway. It's Jonas Rombjörg for the lucky launch again. And it's Teddy's from heaven and Henderson. Every time it rains, it rains. Teddy's from heaven. And that was a uh, a kind of 
uh, a terrific moment and uh, exactly what we hoped that the first lucky launch at the Dollar Loan Center would be like. It's the second lucky launch, of course, uh, last year's being at the Orleans Arena, but the first at the Dollar Loan Center, and uh, fans came to play 5,646 stuffed animals were collected. 5,646 stuffed animals that will now be donated to Toys for Tots and the Marine Corps that supports it the Salvation Army, and the Equality Center in Henderson. So uh, really, really great showing from all the fans. Uh, and I, you might have noticed there were, there were a lot of uh, tiny handheld stuffed uh, bears that night as well, some of them uh, placed in the cup holders around the building. Those were all donated by a season ticket member as well, a season ticket member whose name I'm still trying to find. Right now it's a, uh, an anonymous hero, Batman, if you will, uh, bringing uh, stuffed animals to all the boys and girls. Why do I say Batman? It's Santa is what it is. Season ticket member Santa, who brought all these stuffed animals to place in cup holders to allow you to donate them to young children. So all the donations combined, 5,646. And Sam and Ash still continuing their toy drive, as is the Toys for Tots program, uh, through, I believe it's December 21st or December 22nd. You've got a couple of weeks to continue making your contributions to that, but really, really good showing by uh, all the fans, uh, and we thank you for your support in making that a very special night. Now, for the Silver Knights, the remainder of the night, well, it didn't end the way they wanted, but certainly uh, they continued this trend of, of playing good hockey. The problem for the Silver Knights, and we've had this conversation week by week, and, uh, you know, it, the coaches have too. It just it is what it is right now. It's... Uh, they're having a hard time scoring goals. Uh, they remain at the bottom of the AHL in that category. Not, uh, I believe they're still 31st, but I'll look through my literature here very quickly, and they are still 31st. Only team below the Silver Knights in goals per game is Hartford. Uh, Silver Knights averaging 2.45 goals per game, and that's just that's not enough. And it's uh, even when coupled with what's been very strong goaltending the last handful of games, Michael Hutchinson. Uh, playing his first game in a long time and only his second game since uh, October 23rd uh, was fantastic on uh, on Saturday night. And for the Silver Knights, they're just not it, – it's hard to win games 2-1 in general, and that's that's no secret. But it also is a uh, – if you're only scoring two goals a game, plus or minus one on any given night, it's going to be really – you're going to have to play perfect. You have to play perfect hockey, and that's where for the Silver Knights, you know, we, we've heard uh, a lamenting in recent uh, in, in weeks of how they always have that one play that goes against them late in the third period, and it's a 2-1 loss or it's a 3-2 loss because of that uh, they'll blink with five minutes left in a, in a tie game in the third period. And while there's, of course, that's, that's true, looking at the score sheet and looking at the clock, it's also because, well, for the Silver Knights, they're, they're always in, t- in close games in the third period, and they don't have that margin for error. So it's not... The, the timeliness probably is what stands out to us, but what it really comes down to is, no, they're just giving up a, two goals a game, three goals a game. And when it happens isn't as much of a, a factor as, well, if they were winning that game 3 nothing, that, that blink with five minutes left in the third period wouldn't matter so much. Silver Knights this season, when tied, not when losing, when tied heading into the third period are 1-7-1. and one. The Silver Knights in one-goal hockey games this season are 1-8-1. and one. So that's a very, very tight margin for error. And when you're a team that's scoring goals confidently, you don't mind being in tight games in third periods or one-goal games because you assume you're going to be the team, at least more often than not, that's going to generate the offense that needs to be generated. But right now the Silver Knights have 
18 goals in first periods, 16 in second periods, 20 in third periods. The third period has arguably been the Silver Knights' best period. And that is where you say, okay, they're playing really well, but if they're playing even with the other team in a one-goal hockey game in the third period, you're, you're going to fall short in a lot of those. So that's been the challenge for the Silver Knights, but certainly steps in the right direction. And, and one of the steps in the right direction this past weekend against Coachella Valley was also just getting to overtime. Silver Knights played overtime for the first time this season. They were the last team in the American Hockey League to get a game to the extra session. And if the Silver Knights can even start doing that as they try to claw their way back into the top seven, top eight in the Pacific Division, tonight they're ninth going into tonight's game. But if they can just start converting some losses, of course they want to win, but if you can convert some of those one-goal losses into overtime points, what a difference that can make if you string a handful of those together. What a difference it would make if they'd done so already. So, again, easier said than done, and, and as is the goal-scoring problem. If, if goal-scoring was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would have 50. That's just not the way it is. But for the Silver Knights, they're, uh, they're moving in the right direction after what they did against the Coachella Valley Firebirds this past weekend, which was staunch defensively against a good offensive team and perhaps the best offensive player in the league in Andrew Podorowski. Silver Knights were, were staunch defensively. They were good in transition. They generated their chances. And Manny Vivero was talking after the game, said some of the chances we had, I mean, we scored two goals, but Zachary Manon had a, a stuff attempt that went under the goalie and rolled across the blue paint out the other side. Like we had... We're doing everything except pushing it over the goal line. That The chances are there. We need to finish. And, again, that's not as easy a solution as flicking a switch. But for the Silver Knights to play that well defensively and to keep a, uh, a very strong offensive talent pool in check, not once but twice, doing it in consecutive games, is a sign that the defensive element of the Silver Knights game that was really good at the start of the year, lulled a little bit in the middle weeks of November, uh, is, is getting right up on par again. And now for the Silver Knights, they need to get the scoring going, and that also needs to follow the uh, an escalation in production from the power play, uh, which has gone a bit dry for the Silver Knights as well. Silver Knights' power play on Saturday against Coachella Valley was 0 for 6, including a uh, an unsuccessful attempt in overtime and uh, you know that that makes the difference you're losing one goal hockey games and your power play is going 0 for 6 or 1 for 6 you know th that can be the difference right there so that's something that the uh, coaching staff is keenly aware of and with that in mind we spoke with Manny Viveros earlier today to get ready for tonight's contest against the Ontario Reign and we'll hear from him what he had to say about how this team is generating things offensively here's Manny Viveros. With head coach Manny Viveros uh, coach the defensive effort your team had in back-to-back -back games against the Coachella Valley Firebirds you mentioned a good hockey team. Is that something that you guys can, can build on? Is that an encouraging couple of games? No, certainly against a team, uh, you know, with the record they have and then, and their lineup. Um, you know, they're, they're a veteran team. They're well-structured. They play, you know, the game um, hard, physical, and, and play the game the right way. I was happy the way we played uh, defensively in both those games. We did a lot of really good things. And um, actually, I like what we did offensively, too. We just didn't score. We had more than enough chances to score and win both those games. But uh, against a good team like that, the way we played, it was, it was uh, uh, certainly something to build on. Is it also something encouraging as you guys look to, to climb back up? You're going to need to string results together that you were able to have defensive performances like that against Coachella six, uh, consecutively. They were able to, to do it more than once. 
Well, you know what? Our message to our guys is that we've proven we can. We can play with them. You know, we can play with these teams. We play with Ontario. So, you know, the teams, the top teams in our league here. Um, we just got to, you know, it's break down to the small, smallest details in their game to have the discipline to stay within and, and, and try not to make that mistake at the end of the game or end of a period. At times, it's costing us uh, goals against. But at, at the same time, though, um, when we get those opportunities, we've got to finish. There's no question about it. Like, we've got some really good chances that we're just not finishing on and our power play has to get better we have to you know the guys that we have out there and that are selected there for a reason they need to finish and that's why they're there for and uh, you know it's uh, you know they, they put in those positions um, um, and they're creating chances but we still we, we still need to finish one player that can certainly help in that uh, regard is going to be Pavel Dorofiev who missed a lot in November due to injury he's been back for a bit scored on uh, Saturday is, is his game where it was before the injury or is he still building his way back you know, I think it is. Like, there's a lot of signs. Uh, the only, uh, you know, the difference is, is that Pav hasn't been scoring, but he's had some really good looks. And our message to him uh, last game was, Pav, keep playing the way you're playing here. You're going to get those opportunities, and eventually you're going to score. If anybody will, it's him, because Pav, he has that knack of being able to score uh, from anywhere along inside the offensive zone here. And uh, I told him after that, I said, where he scored that goal to tie the game against Coachella tonight, he was right in that blue paint area. And uh, that's where you got to go some Sometimes if you're struggling to, to kind of get out of a slump, so to speak here, but uh, I, I like where his game is trending again. He's getting back to where he was before and he's got that jump in the step and then he's dangerous around the net. Daniel Miramanov called up, U.S. Rombierg now called up. The two important players, how does the team respond to or adjust to that absence? Well, uh, you don't ever replace players like that, but it's certainly an opportunity for someone else to come in here. And uh, certainly uh, uh, an opportunity for, for guys to come in to play in those positions and take up some of those minutes. And I think it's a really, you know, this is what this, this what we're all trying to do is give these every one of these kids an opportunity to show what they can do and, and, and develop. So, you know, some of the guys are going to see more power play time. Some guys are going to see more penalty kill time. So that's something where uh, it's a great opportunity for somebody to step up and say, hey, listen, I'm ready and um, I'm going to show you that I can do it. Fourth game this year against Ontario. You've played tight games against Ontario. What have you guys done well against them that you'd like to continue to do? Well, I think the biggest thing, Brian, is defending. Uh, they skate as, as good as anybody in our division, and, and, and there's a lot of uh, offensive zone motion. Their D are always in the play. They're moving at all times and stuff like that. We've got to be disciplined in our structure that we don't get running around and chase them all over the place. We've got to stay and hold our lane, so to speak, and then make sure we defend it really well. And uh, more important against teams like this, we have to stay above them uh, coming out of their zone here. We want to be aggressive on our forecheck, but we're going to make sure we're connected coming back and helping our defensemen all that guy. And we've done that. We played them really well. Uh, I thought we played really well uh, the last time we were here. I thought we could have won that game very easily. I thought uh, we played really well, but again, uh, you know, one of those things there that we came out on the short side of it, but uh, uh, we're certainly confident coming in here. It's a tough place to play, and we're certainly not intimidated by any means. And that was head coach Maeve Everos. And again, this is a place where the Silver Knights have played well this season. They've come up short both times that they've played in this building this season, but a 5-3 loss uh, in early October, their first road game of the season, and then a, or I should say mid-October, and then the last uh, visit on November the 20th, a 3-2 final. So Silver Knights have played well in this building, though they haven't gotten the results. And again, that's been much of the season this year for the Silver Knights. They're 2-8-0 and through 10 road games this season. That certainly has to turn around. But they come into this game coming off one of their better weekends. They've had good games here and there. This is one of their better collective weekends against the Coachella Valley Firebirds where the defensive game really locked in. Penalty kill, they are now number two in the league on the kill and number one in the league at home. So that's been a strength. 
Uh, but they've got to find a little bit more offense, and they're going to look to guys like Pavel Dorofiev now healthy and back in the mix to be one of the people to get that done. Brendan Brisson remains uh, unavailable for tonight, but he is getting very close. Uh, lower body injury has had him out uh, week to week since the last time the Silvernights played here. November the 20th was his last game action, but uh, he is uh, getting very, very close to being available and is on this trip. So we'll see if he is able again to game action in Colorado this weekend. And again, it's a tough uh, road stretch for the Silvernights before a lot more home hockey to come in the uh, coming weeks. They play tonight here in Ontario and then They'll play two games in Loveland against the first-place Eagles, who have been rip-roaring through the Pacific over the course of the first month and a half. The one team that seems to have their number is the Ontario Reign, so we'll find out why and what else the Reign have in store when we come back with Jared Chaffron, the Ontario Reign insider. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. Who the hell are you? You know. You all know exactly who I am. Now, say my name. Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, getting you set for Silver Knights and Ontario Rain tonight at Toyota Arena. What will be the fourth meeting of the season between these two clubs. So uh, if we are not experts on each other by now, then I guess we never will be. But just to make sure, we'll bring on the Ontario Rain insider, Mr. Jared Schaffern. Jared, thanks for taking the time today, buddy. We appreciate it. Of course, Brian. Thanks for having me. And it's a game day, so if I'm busy, I know you're busy too, so I'm glad you could carve out a few minutes for us. Uh, and just uh, to get up to speed, you know, the last time we saw the Ontario Reign in uh, mid-late November, uh, the Reign had uh, gone winless in their previous five, including a loss to the HSK uh, at the Dollar Loan Center. Then they kicked off this seven-game homestand. Tonight's the last game of that seven-game homestand. They opened it up with a win over the Silver Knights, and they really haven't done much else but win since. What has this road, tri- uh, this homestand meant uh, for getting the Ontario Reign back on track? Well, it's been huge, Brian, and, and you're right. I mean, it had been a couple games on the road, and I think there was a lot of insecurity on what was going on because um, there were teams that the Reign were losing to that they had beaten earlier in the season and that they were expecting to beat. So, to come home and, and have it go this way uh, has been pretty amazing for this team. I think the confidence level, especially with some of the young guys, I mean, as you guys know, some of these guys, they have all the talent in the world, but they're young. They haven't played in the league before. They need to understand what, what they need to do consistently on a night-by-night basis to, to have success. And this homestand has, has really shown that. Uh, you know, the only loss was a 3-1 to loss to Tucson, and the team responded the next night and beat the Roadrunners uh, four to three. So I, I think that it's been a really successful homestand. And um, yeah, there's one more game. So we'll see how it goes tonight. I think for Silver Knights fans who have been watching the, the head-to-head games against the Rain, you say, okay, it's a pretty similar looking lineup uh, to what the Rain had last season. A couple of players who have been called up full-time. Gabe Velarde is now a full-time NHLer and uh, he's not alone, but a lot of familiar faces. But I think it's fair to say this is a, a different Ontario team than last year. Really just the absence of, of Martin Furk alone would, would require uh, a lot of, of redesign offensively. So I, I think for anyone who thought that, that this team wasn't going to have its own adjustments to make out of the gate, that was probably an unfair expectation. No doubt. And, you know, you're right without Bob Martin Furk. I mean, he drove the offense. I don't want to overshadow TJ Tynan. He was the MVP again last year, but you know, TJ Tynan is going to make plays, but guys have to put the puck in the net. So for him, 
so many of those goals from Furk were were just Martin Furk being amazing. So uh, I think there was definitely some adjustment on that. And, and what it's turned into is having to be a little bit more equal opportunity. Tynan, instead of passing to most likely Furk, he's got a lot of a lot of different options. And it's you know been nice to see some other guys step up on the power play. Uh, Samuel Fugimo was his main option uh, at the start of the season. And now Fagimo's up with the Kings, and yeah. he's played in two games, and he's had points in both those first two games. So good for him that, that he's up there, but now that means someone else has to fill in. And um, lately, you know, it's been a bit a bit more of Jordan Spence. And I, we were talking off air recently about, you know, it's amazing that Spence has had more goals. And sure enough, uh, he's put the puck in the net a few more times, and, and he is just being much more aggressive now that there isn't Martin Furk. Spence has the best shot on the power play. So, He's kind of been much more visible getting the pucks to the net. Then uh, Leah Sanderson has been, you know, a recipient of a lot of pucks around the cage. Alan Quine has gotten to play with Tynan lately, a former Silver Knight, so he's been a little bit more visible. And, and now Quentin Byfield has been really, I'm sure he's another person you're going to touch on at some point. Yep. He's been <laughs> uh, turning into what we expect and now leading the team in goals after a hat trick a couple days ago. Talking to Jared Schaffer the Ontario Rain Insider. And, you know, we're going to go through some individuals. Let's start with Jordan Spence because you just brought him up. He had a phenomenal year last year as a rookie. Uh, and he's a player that, uh, you know, he's a fun uh, trivia question for Silver Knights fans because Lucas Cormier has won the last two uh, Defenseman of the Year awards in the queue. The guy who won before him was Jordan Spence. But he's a player that gets pucks to the net, gets them through traffic. Like you said, he has probably the best shot on the power play. But he's a guy who makes sure it gets through. What what uh, attention does he command when he's manning the blue line on the power play, and how does he make things easier for everybody else on that unit? Well, simple enough. Uh, you know, Spence leads the team in shots on goal, and you talk about getting pucks through. He's not just leading the team, but he has over 20 more shots on net than anybody else in, the, in on the roster. Tyler Madden has 41 shots. He's second. Spence has 63. Uh, that's, he's not that's shy. one or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number one or two in the league as far as defense and, and shots on goal. And, again, he's only got two goals. So it's not like all of them are going in the net, but they generate more opportunities. You know, a lot of times it creates a rebound for somebody else, even if it even if it creates a, another faceoff in the offensive zone. It's just more play happening in the offensive end. And the great thing about Spence, too, is the, the shot is a great weapon of his, but he's an outstanding skater. And the thing is this year – He's always had that shot. Now he's been able to use it a little bit more because of the departure of Ferk and a couple other guys like Velarde that you know maybe were where he was giving giving them the puck instead of worrying about shooting himself. But the thing that Spence has really worked on the most this year has been his defense. I, I think his defense is much improved. And even though last year he had a great season, he was one of the top defensemen uh, in the AHL and he was on the All First Team AHL last year when he was uh, with the team before getting called up. I think he's made a much bigger focus on his defensive play. He has been the team's top defenseman as far as minutes played, and he's been on the first pair all year. Last year, he was on the second or third pair some nights. Uh, there was some other guys getting more minutes than him. This year, that's not the case. He's drawing the opponent's top matchup every single night, and he's been much more physical. He's a sm- smaller guy, but I've seen him throw more hits this year. He, I think that, I think that the Kings have told him, you need to go down, work on your defense, work on your physicality. We know you can shoot the puck. We know you can run a power play. We still want you to do those things, but you have to round your game out. And he has, and I think he's been a lot better 
than even he was last year when, again, he was winning some, some nice accolades. And it's, it's interesting. I, it probably coincidental. I don't uh, suggest that this is the, the design, but it felt like Sean Dursey in Ontario got called up and got a full-time job and gave way to Jordan Spence like one was directly following the other. Um, but it, it does. Uh, it is interesting to me when you look at the way the Ontario Reign are, are constructed right now. Uh, again, uh, Quentin Byfield currently uh, having a, a nice season and a really nice couple of weeks as well. But you add in Alex Turcott, who, of course, had injury uh, concerns throughout the summer, but now he is back in the mix. Uh, Rasmus Kapari has been up and up and down uh, for the last couple of years. But Rob Blake does not appear uh, worried or, or afraid to let prospects cook in Ontario. There's no rush to get Gabriel Velarde they, with some injury problems too, but they took their time letting him be ready to be a full-time NHLer. There's no aversion uh, to, to letting guys uh, take their time in, in Ontario to be ready for the big-time full-time. Yeah, I think Kapari is a good example of, uh, you know, kind of the situation that Velarde was in. I think they've used that as a model. Adrian Kempe is another player who's in the NHL right now, but he was up and down for a little while before he finally had a breakout all-star season last year. Yeah. And, and Jared, Jared Anderson Dolan, another player who was back and forth at yep, the decent amount. Absolutely. And now he's been up and, you know, wouldn't be surprised if at some point he comes back. Now he doesn't have to clear waivers, which is probably the biggest reason why he hasn't been sent down. But as long as guys are not waiver eligible and they can go up and down, a guy like Kapari, I think, and specifically Todd Clellan mentioned this the other day in a media availability where, you know, he was asked about Kapari, and he said, we have specific instructions, specific things. He's not just getting sent down with no plan. It's, here's an example of why we think your game needs to take a step in this direction, and you need to work on that in Ontario. And when you do, when you master it, we'll give you another shot. And I, and I think they're just kind of, they have the prospect depth that they can rotate some guys through. And I mentioned Fagimo before, you know, he's the now the latest guy who's getting a look at the at the top level, but he's not ready 100% for a full-time NHL role. They just want to give him some games, see how he's doing. He'll get some marching orders. He'll probably come back down. They'll probably give Byfield, Kapari, or maybe it'll be somebody else. Maybe it'll be a, a Tyler Matt or you know somebody like an Aiden Dudas who gets an opportunity to play a couple games with the Kings then come back down and, hey, you've gotten your chance. You know what it takes, but you're not there yet. you guys still got some things to work on, and I think that's kind of been – the mantra a little bit of, hey, just because you're up in the NHL doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It's a constant learning process, and you're going to have to go back down to the American League and work on it. We're with Rain Insider Jared Schaffer getting ready for tonight's contest, Silver Knights and Ontario Rain, 7 o'clock puck drop here on 1230 of the game. Jared, you mentioned Alan Quine before, and, of course, Silver Knights fans know Alan Quine's name well because last year not only was he a, a significant offensive piece for the Silver Knights in the second half of the season, but the reason it took until the second half of the season is because he was rehabbing his way back from a knee injury for the first half of the season, and uh, certainly uh, inspirational to watch him get himself back into game shape throughout last year. But what has his fit been like for this Ontario team now that he's played for uh, a number of Pacific Division squads? Uh, and is uh, you know, a veteran presence in the room now. What has he added to the Ontario group? Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, it's funny that there's not that many players. Obviously, TJ Tynan is one of the guys who's been around for a little bit, but there's not that many players that have been in the league, and specifically in this division like this. So, you know, he's not surprised by anything. You know, we're going to Tucson this weekend. He's been to Tucson. He's been, he, knows what, he knows what that's like. He can share <laughs> that to some of the younger guys. He's been to 
every every place except for Coachella Valley, nobody's been there yet. But everywhere else, uh, even Calgary, is somewhere that he's familiar with. He played for that franchise. He's been up there. So I think uh, just that wealth of knowledge, having another veteran on the team, I think that's something that, you know, the, the organization has valued having players like this. Last year it was Adam Johnson that kind of had that role. Uh, obviously Martin Firk was one of those guys that, that was a little bit older who has been around, who can bring that knowledge of things to the younger guys and serve as kind of a nice example of what they need to be doing. I think if you ask our coaching staff, they love his offensive game. They just like it to be a little bit more consistent. Some nights he's all over the place, looking like one of the best players in the, in the lineup. Other nights we haven't seen his consistency. He hasn't gotten as many opportunities. So I think uh, there's definitely some room that for his offensive game to even grow, but he's still learning the system. He's only about 20 games in, and I think you know he's seen a lot of systems. He's been around, but you know it's a little bit different, and I think he's just trying to find his way a little bit, but having that veteran knowledge, He's never out of position. He's never out of place. So that, it's always good to have those guys in the lineup. Jared, before we let you go, because it's a busy game day, I know that there's a lot you have to do. I do want to ask, you know, this is the first uh, season under head coach Marco Sturm for the Ontario Reign, and uh, the entire division has felt uh, almost like changing faces and places with the number of new coaches in the Pacific. And, you know, for that matter, even Manny Viveros for the Silver Knights, certainly not a, a new face, but he missed so much time last year due to his treatments that uh, it's nice to have him back behind the bench for a full season. But it's certainly a, an altering landscape over the course of the summer, and Marco Sturm was part of that. Fans know him from his playing days, fans who are super attentive, uh, probably saw what he did with the German national team in the Olympics and prior. And, of course, L.A. Kings fans knew him from the uh, the assistant coaching position on the NHL bench for the last couple of years. But w- what has he brought to this Ontario group, and uh, in what ways has his impact been visible uh, as opposed to what the team had last year? Absolutely. I-, I think there's been a few different keys for him. Number one is he's been in the L.A. Kings organization. This is now his fifth year. He had four seasons on the bench as an assistant coach, and he knows he knows from a, from being a player, and I'll touch that on that in a second, but just from being behind the bench with Todd McClellan at the NHL level, he can speak to what is necessary to make the NHL. So when, when someone gets instructions and when he's giving someone instructions, he's telling them that because he knows what, he knows what they need to do to make the NHL. He knows what they need to do to be an impact player at the highest level every night. So And guys can hear that. The other thing is, a lot of guys, and you kind of just mentioned this, a lot of guys have been in the NHL with the Kings before. You know, a lot of our players have had time off with the Kings. They've been on the bench there. They know Marco already. They were playing for him at that level. So uh, the familiarity both with the system and the way that the team likes to play, as well as just the face-to-face familiarity with some of our players already, that helped a ton. But then when you add in the fact that he was in the NHL, he played almost a 1,000 games, you know, he's a guy that, you know, many of our players watched probably when they were younger growing up. Definitely for me, that was the case. So I, I think that adds another level of just respect. And when he says something, you know what? It's coming from a place where he's he's knowledgeable. He knows what it takes. And he's been there before. So I think all of that combined has, has really changed the bench a little bit for this team. Last year was very transient year as far as that goes with John Robleski starting. Then Robleski, you know, departing from the team midseason, they never named a full-time replacement coach. And Chris Height and Craig Johnson, who were the assistants last year, that kind of shared the, the role of being 
the, the leaders on the bench, they did an outstanding job. This team had a lot of wins. They did a lot of good things. But it was just different. You didn't have that head coach. You didn't have the one person that has their say. It was kind of a collaborative effort between everybody there. Now it's much more traditional, it's much more structured, and Marco has an opportunity to put his stamp on this team. He's someone who wants to be an NHL head coach. He wants to get back to the NHL in a head coaching capacity. So for him, there's been a learning curve of he had never played in the NHL. Uh, sorry, he never played in the AHL. He went right to the NHL and stayed in the NHL for his entire pro career. He'd never coached in the AHL. So there's some things, you know, of the American League that he's had to learn and get used to, and he's still definitely kind of getting up to speed on those things. We're only 20 games in, but just to have that stable leader, the stability behind the bench, someone that guys know that he's going to be able to speak directly to Todd McClellan and say, Todd, this player is ready. It's time. And Todd's going to listen to that because he was, they were on the bench together for four years. I think that's pretty cool for, for our guys to have that, and I think they're taking it really seriously. Manny Vivero said the key for the Silver Knights tonight was defensively staying above the puck and you know keeping the, the Tynans and Byfields in check. And, and the way this season series has gone, Tyler Madden as well, I suppose. But what would you yeah. say is the Ontario key for this evening? I think the Ontario key right, right now from what I've seen from this team is the first period. Uh, it's, it's so cliche, but when this team is playing well in the first period, they generally win the game. Uh, I think they're, you know, when they score the first goal, they're, they've won, I think, if not every game, almost every single one. They're 11-0-1 when, when they have the lead. Uh, it's just when the team doesn't start well and they're fighting it, they haven't been able to, to overcome that. And we saw that, you know, it's kind of crazy. In Henderson, the, the one game we played in Henderson, Jordan Spence had a, a goal that was called back. It was, I think, in the first minute of the game. Yeah, and then yeah. after that, the off the offense completely evaporated. And um, nights like that have have not been common during this home stand because there's been a lot of wins. But uh, it, it's those are the nights when the team's fighting it if they struggle. So I think you know having that quick start, jumping out at, on their opponent a little bit. Uh, the most recent game that the Rain played on Sunday, they got a win over Bakersfield five two. And Quentin Byfield scored 31 seconds of the game. It was like first shift, before you know it, it's one nothing, And then the team relaxes and they can play their game. And I think if you're a Henderson fan, you're looking for the Silver Knights to take, to take that to heart and, and start quick because when the rain had fallen behind, they fought it a little bit. But if they get going quickly, and that's probably why Manny Vibros is saying, hey, watch out because first couple minutes, if, if Ontario can get on the board, uh, it's been a, a tough night for their opponent. Well, Jared, to back you up, the rain 9-0-1 this season when scoring first, so that's as good a key as any. Get off to the hot start because uh, this is a tough team to chase. Jared Schaffrin, the insider and broadcaster for the Ontario Rain. You know, I love this building, Toyota Arena, because our booths are right next to each other, so if I have anything to say to you during the game tonight, I'll do it with uh, emphatic arm waving. How does that sound? I love that. <laughs> love, love our arena as well, and uh, it's, a, it's a fun place to call a game. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Jared, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. I'll see you in a few hours. Sounds great. Thanks, Brian. Looking forward to it. Jared Schaffer in the insider for the Ontario Reign and on the mic as well with Josh Schaefer. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll catch up with Kiki Downey, the social media coordinator, digital media coordinator, I should say, with the 
Henderson Silver Knights. That's a fancy way of saying she runs the social accounts that you love so much. We'll find out what makes her tick. On the other side of the break, Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today. You're listening to 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. Special thanks to Jared Chaffron of the Ontario Rain for joining in our last segment. Silver Knights fans, be sure to follow the Silver Knights all season long on social media. The Silver Knights are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with new updates and fun looks behind the scenes with your favorite Silver Knights. Get to know your favorite team on and off the ice following the Silver Knights on Twitter, HS Knights, at HS Knights, that's the handle, and Henderson Silver Knights, all one word, on Instagram and TikTok. And you're going to want to do that, and you're especially going to do that after this final segment because we are joined by the digital content coordinator for the Henderson Silver Knights, Miss Kiki Downey. Kiki, thank you for joining us on the program. And I know it's a busy day for you because it's a game day, and pretty much every day is a busy day for you. So it's great to have you on the show and uh, to give fans a chance to, to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Kiki, how can you describe to fans what the day-to-day is like for a uh, digital content coordinator in the American Hockey League? Well, I think you kind of nailed it with busy, but to give a little (laughs) bit more detail on that, uh, if it's a practice day and we're at home, uh, I'll generally, you know, try and get some coverage of practice to give fans a little bit more insight into what the day-to-day life for an AHL hockey player is like sort of uh, how we understand, you know, things to improve on and get better, obviously keeping things that we want to keep under wraps under wraps as well. Then I'll see if we have anything that checks boxes for sponsor content, and that could be a video, it could be a photo set or a graphic, it could be something that's seasonal or promotional uh, coming up on the content calendar, and I'll make sure to get that up across our social channels. Uh, and then we may have a long-form shoot as well if it's not a game day. And that could be anything from, again, more sponsored content or something more elaborate that we're hoping to get up to promote the team as an entity itself. And then if it's a game day, then we get right into it with pre-game coverage, uh, pre-game warm-ups if we're at home, and then live game coverage for people who are looking to follow along, whether that's home or away, or if they want to just keep tabs on the Silver Knights and how their favorite Golden Knights prospects are doing. Which is to say that, uh, I mean, when the team is on the road, you're not on the road with them per se, but you're still logged in from the desk or the couch or wherever you may be. But no matter what the team is doing, informationally, you are right in the middle of it all the time. And there's probably no better example of that than this past weekend and the lucky launch, both in preparation for it and then when you were well, standing in the driving rain of teddy bears falling down all around you on the ice. Uh, was this past week maybe the best uh, overall uh, convalescence of, of what it is you do? Absolutely. I mean, you know, every week it's it's a great privilege to get to work with the staff that I do, and it's a great privilege to be so proximate to great hockey and great hockey development. But Lucky Launch is, you know, a fantastic convergence of so many things that I'm passionate about. We have community outreach, and we were able to do a great interview and written feature with a representative from Toys for Talks, 
one of our beneficiaries for all of the donated toys, as well as one of our players talking about how meaningful it is to give back to the Henderson and wider Las Vegas Valley community. Uh, it's also, you know, involved with the marketing side of things, you know, encouraging turnout and really growing a community-oriented fan base here in Henderson, which is something that we're really passionate about. And it's also a lot of fun. I mean, everybody loved getting to see uh, the Lucky Launch goal across our channels. People loved getting to hear your call for it. They loved getting to hear the audience cheers for it. There's just something that's a lot of fun and really festive about it. And it's always easy to do my job when there's something naturally entertaining about the product that we're putting on the ice, which Lucky Launch absolutely fulfills. We're with Kiki Downey, the digital content coordinator, or as you might uh, more familiarly think of her, social media admin for the Henderson Silver Knights. And, you know, Kiki, yours is the type of job that I think so many people think, oh, I can do that because there's so many people who use social media. It's not the same when you're doing it for a living. But that is to say, I'm sure there are a lot of people in our audience who are curious, you know, how to get into your shoes figuratively. Uh, how did? What was your journey to uh, your current position, and, and how did you know that, that working social media and sports was something that you wanted to do? Uh, well, mine was a little more uh, unconventional. Uh, I, I didn't go a more typical route, which would have been to do uh, more North American-based internships and partnerships while I was in undergrad, because I actually did my undergrad abroad. So I ran uh, what we called social secretary, which was social media admin and coordinator for the hockey team that I played on in the United Kingdom, which was a lot of fun, and it was a great way to get experience doing that, and that was something that I took forward, and it was the first time that I really considered this could be something that I wanted to do. The reason that I ended up in it is because I'm really passionate about sports and more specifically passionate about hockey, and I wanted to make a difference in the way that we're telling the stories of athletes and contribute to this rising wave of young NHL stars that are marketing not only themselves, but the game in better and more engaging ways to young people, which is growing the game of hockey you know, with enormous strides. We see it in, obviously, the NHL with players like Trevor Zegras. We see it uh, up and coming with, with great junior players as well. We see it in women's hockey with players like Hillary Knight, who will be coming to the Dollar Loan Center this upcoming uh, December 15th. So that's something that I wanted to be a part of. And the, the best thing that I can advise to anyone who's listening is to, to practice and, and do as much as you can. Get a really good feel for the sport, you know, listen to, to broadcasters uh, that you like, whomever they may be, uh, really listen to how they get a feel for calling the game, uh, look at social channels that you're interested in and how each brand has their own voice that resonates with the team and practice uh, live tweeting on a Google Doc, uh, sign up for as many sport relevant or uh, specific uh, social administrative or digital content uh, internships and programs and partnerships through your college or university as early as you can to kind of get that fundamental experience. But at the end of the day, it has to be something that you're passionate about. Really sit and think, why is it that I want to do this? And if the answer is, I want to watch 80 hockey games a year, that's a great reason. I <laughs> love watching 80 hockey games a year. But is there something more that you want out of it? Is there something that you want to drive forward in the industry or be a part of in the industry? Uh, and the third is to find people who are really going to encourage you and be and be really good uh, at mentoring. And you and Kelly have been fantastic with that. And I've been fortunate enough to work with great people in college and uh, with internships that I've done before as well. And 
finding people who are going to encourage you to develop your own voice and become better at what you do every day is going to be huge for anyone that wants to step into this kind of role. Well, Kiki Downey, our uh, social media master of the HSK, you heard her say her journey began in the UK. She has degrees from Oxford and from the University of Chicago, so she's the smartest person in our corner of the building. Uh, and That's ever, a lie, and you know it. If you ever see a dip in social content, it's probably because me and uh, Kiki are having a debate about who was the most uh, valuable defenseman on the 1983 Montreal Canadiens. So she loves hockey as much as she says, uh, and she's added a lot to our uh, department this year. And Kiki, we will have you on again. We're just about out of time, but uh, you, you've talked social media. You know a lot about hockey as well, so we're going to have you on again, I promise. And uh, really appreciate you coming on this afternoon and love everything you're doing this season. Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm looking forward to the debate. That <laughs> <laughs> is Kiki Downey. Come up with an idea for when we get back from this road trip at the end of the week. That was Kiki Downey, the HSK Digital Content Coordinator. Uh, and that's going to do it for our show. Reminder, fans, that the U.S. and Canadian women's hockey teams are going head-to-head at the Dollar Loan Center on December 15th. Great tickets still available to see the two best women's teams and two of the best teams, period, in the world. That is December 15th, the Rivalry Series at the Dollar Loan Center. You can get your tickets at thedollarloancenter.com, thedollarloancenter.com. Thank you to Jared Shaffron of the Ontario Reign. Thank you to Kiki Downey, HSK Social. We will step out. We'll be back with Justin Russo for HSK pregame coverage at 6.30 before the Silver Knights and Ontario Reign drop the puck tonight at Toyota Arena. I'm Brian McCormick. This has been HSK Today. We'll see you tonight, everybody.